Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. Just wanted to say this feels like deja vu a little bit because last week, Memorial Day, we were all ready to go and it was a holiday. So I hope you enjoyed the show that was played. Uh, we are also recovering here in the East Coast. I live in Ellicott City, Maryland from the lovely flood and it won't stop raining. So I feel bad for those people that are continually getting that water to come into their houses and businesses. So how are things for you, Andrea? Well, actually, I, even though I live in Flood City, USA, um, it's been absolutely gorgeous and beautiful here. Sun is shining. It's uh, like perfect 80-degree weather where you can still swim because the pool's hot from last week in the 90s. So I couldn't be happier. Well, this past weekend, I went to a, a big event, as you know. It was the Book Expo America, and I did a little recon to see whether we should be at that event next year. And, wow, that is not only a gigantic event, they brought in just huge authors and speakers. So we need to make that a, an additional event that we bring into the fold. Yeah, that would be absolutely fabulous. I saw that uh, Tay Diggs was going to be at uh, part of it, or the second uh, follow-up to the Book Expo for BookCon. And uh, those of you who are theater buffs or ever loved Adina Menzel, who was in Wicked, um, he is her ex-husband. So I was... Uh, hoping to have met him, but we'll, we'll meet him in the future. Yeah, and also at BookCon, uh, they had James Patterson with Bill Clinton. So this was this was the big-time release of so many big books, and uh, I'm excited that we're going to push ourselves into sponsorship positions so we can actually be a, uh, a vendor and also provide value. Well, certainly so the value of the uh, social proof photography that you provide at any event is going to be absolutely amazing. So I'm always happy to brag about that to everyone because uh, if they don't have you as a photographer, then honestly, I don't even think they have pictures. That's my opinion. Well, thank you. You know, uh, I haven't. Po- I think I posted all the photos of the authors holding their book and a key smiling card. So we have a lot of new, uh, very powerful authors going to be added to the Legacy Edition. It'll be, I think, the Legacy Edition 3. And, of course, we have Dustin and Sharon, who are authors, so we have to get... Well, we got a key smiling shot of Dustin uh, recently when we were in Las Vegas, so we just need to get one of Sharon and add them to the book as well. Oh, absolutely. And for those of you who might be new to the programming, uh, the Keep Smiling book, uh, these are a different editions. This whole movement of Keep Smiling was started by Barry Shore, who is a dear friend of Ken Rashawn's. And then Ken took that movement and decided, hey, I want to take these Keep Smiling cards that people hold up, take their picture, and then actually put them together and put them in books where we actually honor the people who are influencers, shakers, movers, models, you know, entertainers, you know, speakers, influencers, and really create the new who's who of who's emerging in the world as the people that you need to follow and need to be aligned with. So definitely our two guests are two people that should be included. So super exciting what we've been doing uh, with the Keep Smiling movement and uh, really excited to hear about the new people that are going to be in because of the Book Expo. Well, you know, with this Amplified book we hope to be getting out this holiday season, we're going to have, again, Dustin Sharon as part of that, but it's going to be really cool having so many of these pictures that actually show how authors and speakers bring smiles to the world because of their message. So without further ado, let's bring in our first guest, Dustin Marks. You want to go ahead and give the bio? Absolutely. Well, let me tell you a little bit about him. Those of you might be surprised that Ken, who has a show all about amplifying the goodness in people, is having Dustin on. (laughs) And that's because Dustin, without question, is one of the most successful blackjack shooters in history. So he has this uncanny ability to remain very calm under pressure. He has that poker face and that talent to perform undetectable sleight of hand under fire. So you see, he was 
employed as a blackjack dealer by several casinos in Vegas during the 1980s. And while under their watchful eye of under the surveillance cameras and the people going by and the pit bosses, he beat the casinos and he was never caught. So he is the author of the groundbreaking book, Cheating at Blackjack and Cheating at Blackjack Squared. Um, he's appeared on dozens of television shows like the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, and the Learning Channel. He um, has a DVD called Cheating at Blackjack, the real work, um, and that's from LML Publishing. And he's been written about in numerous blogs. People uh, want to know how he did this, how he was able to beat the casinos with their own games, and how he was able to really build tens of millions of dollars without getting caught, both from the casinos and the mob. So we are really pleased to hear how Justin has changed his life. He is no longer doing that. He actually is the uh, craziness from the past to show corporations and their employees how honesty and real integrity are really the major game changers to what we need in our society now. So everybody, let's give a standing ovation, woohoo, wherever you are, to best in heart. Welcome, Dustin. Thank you. How are you doing today? Good. I, with all the millions that you were, did she say tens of millions or hundreds of millions? Oh, that gets exactly But I made a lot of money. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you're in the tens of millions and possibly even hundreds, what are you doing in this country? <laughs> well, enjoying it. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So what's the difference between uh, cheating at blackjack versus counting cards? Is counting cards cheating? Well, counting cards would be actually level two of attacking the game of blackjack and trying to beat it. Level one would be basic strategy, know that perfect, so you know how to play every hand. Counting cards gives you an edge because you're keeping track of the cards with a very simple count system. Both of those are legal in all casinos. Obviously, cheating the game of blackjack is illegal in any casino. So there's a big difference not only in the law, but on the... uh, how you attack the game, and how strong of an attack you have. If basic strategy is one, card counting is two, what I did was ten. And that's one out of ten. It was absolutely the strongest thing you could do against a game of blackjack. I would estimate I was involved in over 500 different plays, and we won every time. So, I mean, I'm referencing my some of my movies and specifically the movie rounders, it seems like you're taking your life in your hands when you cheat the big guys. Well, yes and no. Uh, in my opinion, the mid eighties were the golden time to, uh, cheat the game of blackjack. And here's why first there was still some of the mob, but they were being moved out. So they weren't as active as they were back in the seventies. And then from a equipment technology standpoint, the surveillance systems back in the 80s were a joke. They were terrible. Most of them were black and white. They couldn't uh, pan. They could only zoom. But normally, the camera was set on a wide angle to cover three games. So unless they zoomed in, they couldn't see anything. So it was a black and white image the operators were looking at. And basically, the equivalent of about 50 feet away. Well, from 50 feet, you're not going to see a thing. It's only when and if the pit boss would call up and say, hey, watch game three, you know, the person uh, at first base. Other than that, the surveillance was really not up to par back in the 80s. Gotcha. So uh, since you're saying it's level 10, uh, describe what that actually would mean. I'm sorry, repeat the question you cut out there. You said uh, yours was like level 10 cheating or level 10 um, winning at blackjack. How, how is that possible? What did you do? Okay, well, there was a lot of different ways to achieve like a level 10 where you'd win every time. The two things I did, and I did consistently, was first I would flash the top card of the deck to my agent, my partner, That would give him perfect betting strategy. If I showed him a low card, he'd bet small. If I showed him a a paint or a 10-value card, he'd bet medium. If he saw an ace, he'd bet big. 
Because with an ace, you have a 52% starting advantage. Mm-hmm. Then, as I would flash the card again, he would get his first hit card before he had to make a decision. So if he had a double-down hand, which is, say, 11, and he saw a 10 coming, he would double down, knowing he would get 21. If he saw, like, a 4 or 5 coming, he wouldn't double down. So he had very good playing efficiency. That probably gave us overall about a 30 to 35% edge. The second thing I did was stacking the deck. This was a 100% winner every time I did it. I just simply stacked you a winning hand, whether it be a blackjack or even something like a 14. And people might say, why would you stack your agent a 14? Because I knew I, the dealer, would bust. So I could control the cards in the shuffle to any outcome I wanted, which basically gave me the ability to win as much money as I thought I could get away with. That's pretty clever. So from an accounting standpoint, were you ever brought to the red carpet for your tables not being as successful as other tables? I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just having a hard time understanding you. Okay. I apologize too. Uh, so I was asking from the back room accounting aspect, your table was not as profitable as other tables. Did you have to answer to that? Well, that's a common misconception. I mean, technically, yes, but back when I dealt, and I dealt in several casinos, you didn't go back to the same game. You rotated around either a three different tables throughout the night, so that meant three other dealers were on those tables throughout the night, are completely random. So in the long run, the bosses aren't going to look and see and be able to track down by, you know, comparing how much money they started with to how much money they lost. Now, maybe nowadays, but it just wasn't happening in the 80s. And just because my agent won a lot of money didn't mean the rest of the time the uh, game was profitable. We would only play for maybe 50 minutes out of an eight-hour shift. That gave me almost seven other hours or six hours with my breaks to have the odds take over and make the game at least break even, if not, you know, win. So they just weren't back in the 80s that sophisticated to track every dealer, every game, and see if he won or lost. And again, this is gambling. Sometimes the dealers do lose. If the dealers always won, the casinos would be vacant. Nobody would play. True. Okay, so normally I start this show off with my guests telling their story. So we certainly want to do that, but I want to ask, I guess, a question beforehand. Since this show is about amplifying goodness, is there good in what you did that people can learn from in the show that they can apply to life? Well, I've employed basic principles, and you can employ those principles to anything in life. And the first principle was find your passion, whatever your passion is. If you're passionate, you're going to work harder, you're going to work smarter, and you're going to achieve your results, whatever that may be. And the second one, a lot of people don't get this one right, is who do you listen to? If you really want to cut down your learning curve and become an expert, you've got to listen to real experts. And that's really tough today because anybody can put up a website in an hour and claim to be an expert, and they know nothing. If you're going to follow an expert, you need to research and make sure they're a real expert. Another principle is when your attitude is right, the facts don't matter, and that usually jars people. But a lot of times, facts are just people's opinions who aren't experts. And, you know, there's so many examples of that in life. And, you know, another example or another principle is constant improvement. Don't don't be satisfied. Let the movie stay hungry. Keep improving. There's always something you can do to be better. And then make better decisions. The quality of your life is based on the decisions you made. So make good decisions. That's basically based on who do you listen to and taking action. And that's the sixth one. Take action. You know, you can have the greatest idea in the world, but if you don't act on it, it's just an idea and it won't come to reality. So those principles can be employed, again, for 
good, bad, or indifferent, but those are the ones I use both in my present day life and back when I was beating the game of blackjack. Awesome. So you have a, a book that is actually being referenced in, in some of the stuff you're sharing right now. Talk about that book and uh, where people can get it. Uh, the book is called uh, Cheating at Blackjack, and this is a 2016, 2016-2017, I forget actually, when it was published. It is a combination of the earlier books uh, published in the uh, 90s, which was Cheating at Jack, uh, Blackjack and Cheating at Blackjack Squared. So I combined both the books, made it into one book that can be uh, bought now. Uh, you can go right to my website, which is Dustin Marks, M-A-R-K-S, spelling, dot com. And the book's right there on that page. Great. And I saw in uh, your book uh, a topic called mucking. Can you, just, can you tell me what that is? Talk about mucking? Yes. Okay, mucking is cha- uh, switching cards in play. Imagine if you could play the blackjack black game being dealt three cards and you choose the best two cards. You would destroy the game. Obviously, that's not legal. But what a mucker does is he has a card held out, hidden in his hand. He gets his two cards. Let's say he gets a 10 and a 6, 16, terrible hand in blackjack. That held out card that he's hiding is a 10. So he switches that 10 with the 6. So he changes his 16 into a 20. So he went from one of the worst hands in blackjack to one of the best. Very, very strong. Very difficult to do. I believe on the website, and I'm uploading videos presently, I do have some videos of mucking. And when done well, it looks like nothing happened. And that's the whole key behind anything we did is it should look like nothing happened. This isn't a magic trick where people go, wow, look at that. Just the opposite. To the casinos, the bosses, etc., all I did is deal the game. All my agent did is get lucky and won the money. Very cool. Well, Andrea is responsible for bringing us together in Vegas as well as bringing us together in the show. So I know she had a couple of comments and questions. So, Andrea, why don't you come into the show and ask one of your questions? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, Dustin, you know, some of the things that uh, were quite interesting to me in talking to you about this is I have a background in law enforcement. So, interviewing people who have done things such as, you know, cheating at, at a casino or, you know, doing something else where they are, are covering the truth or, or changing it is quite interesting to me. And that's why our second guest is also a body language expert. So, I want to know a little bit more about how you trained yourself to have that, you know, poker face and that demeanor where you literally were beating the system of what people were looking for as far as your body language and your cues or tells for cheating? Oh, great question. Well, first of all, I became extremely good at what I did, so I didn't even have to think about it. Uh, you know, I practice, practice, practice. I actually got a video camera back in the 80s, which was kind of rare, and would film myself and watch. And when I couldn't tell when I was doing the move, then I knew I was ready. And in my mind, what I did, now intellectually, I knew this wasn't correct, but emotionally, and all our decisions are based on emotion, I just told myself, this is the way you deal the game. You flash the card, you stack the deck, you're not doing anything wrong. But when you're competent at something and you know they can't detect it, it gives you confidence. So I didn't have the tells like I was doing something wrong, looking over my shoulders, being nervous. I just did not get nervous because getting nervous doesn't help. I know it's easy to say, but it's the truth. So whether you're cheating the game blackjack or climbing a mountain or whatever, don't get nervous. It hurts you. It does not help. And I can see why that uh, would work really well, that, you know, mind over matter. So it'll be really, I'm really excited to hear what Sharon says that are still things that even though we uh, subconscious or consciously are 
overcoming them, how we subconsciously still have tells. Because I remember doing that some of my interview classes and so forth and interviewing different clients and um, people who were, I'm just calling them clients that were, you know, people that were up for a crime. It, it would be interesting to have that conversation. So I'm a little excited about that. So um, some other questions that Ken and I were talking about about different things is, you know, hearing what you're saying right now, you know, Ken and I work with a lot of influencers. We go to all these amazing events. So maybe what are some other things that you might suggest in your corporate training now with telling people how to take that cool demeanor and be able to utilize that when they're like on stage selling from stage or when they're, um, you know, taking over an event where they have, you know, 3,000 followers? Well, the number one thing, in my opinion, is confidence. you got to be confident regardless of what you're doing in life because people are drawn to people that are confident. And that confidence comes from knowing what you're doing, you know, that experience. Now, nobody becomes an expert in six months. And you got to practice the right things regardless, you know, if you're practice, practicing your speech, et cetera. Focus on what's important. Forget about the trivial stuff. That will help you... One, get up to speed much quicker. And two, going back to confidence. Everybody likes somebody who's confident. Nobody wants to follow somebody who's not confident. And, you know, speaking on stage, I don't think anybody's ever got shot <laughs> from speaking on stage. I know there's a big fear of public speaking, but I just don't understand it because not too much bad can really happen compared to all the other things. You know, people build all this stuff up in their minds. You know, there's an old saying, we're our own worst enemies. And that's pretty true for most people. I know it is for me. But you just got to sit back and really analyze, you know, what's the worst that could happen so you make a mistake. And a lot of times when you're public speaking, nobody knows your speech. They don't even know that you made a mistake. So it's kind of, to me, it's kind of amusing how, you know, I've I've talked to people and um, done dangerous things with them as far as climbing mountains, and they can do that where there really is danger, yet they won't get up and talk in front of people. That's, that's really amazing to me. So this would be the message that you have in your book, not just to learn how to cheat a blackjack and try and copy what you did? Uh, yes. Yeah, I talk about, you know, the confidence and... A lot of times people overestimate their opponent, too. Now, in public speaking, you know, the audience really is an opponent. And another thing about public speaking, you focus not on yourself but on the audience. What can you do to give the most value for your audience? And if you know something about the audience beforehand, that will help. Sometimes you don't, sometimes you do. But I try to make every thing I'm talking about a benefit to them. Now, obviously, I'm not going to reach everybody in the audience, but, uh, you know, if you can reach a majority of them, that's what counts. And so tell, tell the audience what you actually do to figure out what is going to be a benefit for the audience. I'm sorry, you cut out at the end again, Ken. Uh, what, what is, how do you determine what the benefit will be? Like, what would be an example? Well, if it's an audience, let's say they want to become more confident. So that, that would be the benefit. That would be the focus of the speech. So you could give examples of how to become more confident. You know, take baby steps. Uh, do something that you've always been scared of. I mean, a lot of people I know skydive. Their fear of heights. Once you jump out of a plane, I think your fear of heights is probably gone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got to face your fears. That, that will give you more confidence than anything. You know, if you're a great public speaker, getting up on stage is not going to really help you as far as facing your fears. But that same public speaker is afraid of water, then he or she needs to take swimming lessons. Conquering fears, and that's the way life is. If we were all fearful, we'd still be in caves back in prehistoric days. So what amazes me about this, Dustin, is that your book is about cheating, but your message is about really integrity, being honest with yourself, having confidence. So what, what else can we learn from you in this book? Well, 
you know, when we were cheating, of course, we had partners, and there was a lot of money involved, and we, at least myself, and I'm sure my partners, we never, you know, cheated each other. We were always very fair, very honest. And back in the 80s, to be honest with you, the casinos were not the greatest places to work. It was very, very hardcore. I'm not justifying, but you'd be fired for any reason. There were casinos that actually never kept anybody over 90 days, so they didn't have to uh, pay health insurance. So they weren't, you know, the greatest places as far as the uh, employment. I understand. (laughs) So uh, let's give the audience one more time uh, an opportunity to find you, follow you. How can they connect with you? Well, the easiest way is just go to the website, again, DustinMarks.com, and uh, up in the corner, it has a contact information. And social media? Uh, yeah, I do have a uh, Facebook um, fan page and a YouTube channel. That's uh, Dustin Marks, and the fan page is Dustin Marks. Okay, and again, how can they get the book? Uh, just go to DustinMarks.com and uh, says, uh, buy the book up in the top menu section. Awesome. Well, Dustin, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and certainly a lot of information, definitely a different twist on amplifying goodness, but I hear in your story and your mission that you really are about teaching people to be very powerful, to avoid their fears and not be the worst enemy, and to speak up on stage. So that's awesome. Thank you very much for spending your time with us. Well, thank you for allowing me to be on the show. Very good. We're going to go to break right now. We'll be back in a couple minutes to hear from Sharon Saylor. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash the Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. 
Welcome back to the second segment. We had a remarkable show with Dustin Marks, and I have certainly never uh, had a conversation like that about how to cheat Vegas. And again, with looking at movies about the mob, I wouldn't have even guessed that someone would live past that uh, experience to tell about it. So Dustin, amazing job. Very happy we had that story. Uh, we're going to bring Sharon in to the show. So Andrea, would you please introduce Sharon? Absolutely. Well, I met Sharon several years ago, maybe almost 10 now, and she's absolutely amazing, just fun and beautiful. She's a great communicator, and she's a wonderful, talented body language expert who she is affectionately dubbed as the difficult person whisperer. So uh, definitely excited about that. As an international trainer and best-selling author, she is devoted to teaching professionals to be courageous leaders, both verbally and non-verbally, and she is listed in the top 20 international experts in body language, according to globalgurus.org. She's now made her mission to help you become a courageous, confident communicator and leader. And she has a complimentary ebook for everybody called The Seven Things Nobody is Telling You That Can Cost You Clients, Sales, and Even Your Career. And this is Sharon Saylor, SharonSaylor.com. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrea and Ken. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, after hearing that first segment, are you tempted to go to Vegas and use some of those strategies to win millions of dollars? <laughs> well, my strategies might be a little bit different, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> it is intriguing, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. So I wanted to uh, invite you to comment on anything that you heard or learned in that first segment. Well, what I find fascinating is I think gambling is the only place where we encourage all of those behaviors of the lie, like bluffing, deceit, withholding. And I find that so fascinating. That's the only place where we really encourage it and encourage people to excel at all of those types of behaviors. So the problem for, I'll say, the average person when they're around someone who has it has worked really hard on those behaviors. It becomes really hard for the average person to tell when someone who's put in all their hours, what is that Malcolm Gladwell says, 10,000 hours of practice. It's really hard for the average person to tell that that particular person who's so skilled is actually being deceitful. Yes, I think we're going to have to change our show, Amplifying Goodness to Amplifying Goodness, Lies, Cheating, and Deception. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, go, let's talk about uh, the segue of what you commented on. You do it a little differently. So let's, let's talk about how you read body language and what that tells you. Well, I'm also known as a difficult people whisper, and it's very similar to working with people that I'll call our professional liars. And the problem is they often believe that they are doing the right thing. And so whether you're just being a difficult person out, out in the workplace, like a bully or what I call a sniper, someone who likes to sort of throw jabs during a meeting, or if you're uh, you know, a poker bluff, if you're doing a professional bluffer, they're all thinking that they're doing the right thing. Our prefrontal cortex is just amazing. That's the front of our brain, higher learning center, higher thinking center, always very intellectual, and we're always capable of telling ourselves, as Dustin pointed out, that uh, it's okay. We're doing it for a higher reason, a better reason. And so we're always able to talk ourselves out of any little bit of emotional part that might go with it. So for the, I'll say the person on the street who comes across someone like this, whether it's a bully, a narcissist, or a professional bluffer, we're always caught off guard because a lot of us want, go through the world looking for the best in everybody. And how many times have you met someone and your first instance and your first instinct is to believe them? You really want to believe them. And it's not until little tiny inklings come, whether in their speech or their micro expressions that you start to go, huh, something's just mm. not adding up. That's a good point. You know, I was just in New York for this book expo and I was in a, uh, a coffee shop and this woman came up to me and she just 
paid a compliment out of the blue. She said, oh my gosh, you have really a great smile. And I said, well, thank you. And I it was like, wow, people are really nice in New York all of a sudden. Obviously, about 10, 20 seconds later, she said, do you have any money that you could give me so I could get the bike easier? <laughs> so it, was, it was not my smile anymore. <laughs> and that's when you went, huh, something's not adding up. <laughs> right, right. Well, what are some of the tells that uh, should give you a signal that someone's not actually being upfront with you? Well, that's a great question. Let me just preface it because people always have patterns. And so it's always easier if you know someone's patterns is the thought. But uh, Paul Eichmann, who is a master at face reading and microexpression, has described research where actually a perfect stranger can beat a romantic partner in detecting a lie, which I found fascinating. I would have thought, oh, I know my partner's patterns. I know the context. I, you know, we've caught him in this or that. We've, we've done this or that. But I found it fascinating where you were a perfect stranger when you had this encounter with the smile message and able to quickly, in that case, add up that it didn't add up. So I always find that fascinating that we think we can detect our partner's quicker than someone else, than a stranger. So know that it's always in context because your body language might be sending messages that you're nervous, that you're shy, that you're feeling uncomfortable, that you're not in your element, where someone else then can pick up on that. And so sometimes we're sending a message out that gets the message back. Not just someone coming up at us. In your case, this person approached you out of the blue, and that was very obvious what was going on. It was a simple exchange that you were able to, oh, yeah, something's not adding up. But oftentimes, it's really a response to us that these these deceitful things can happen. It's a really response to the message we're putting out. As Dustin talked about showing confidence, usually... I will never say 100% anything, but usually exudes that area of like, you know, I'm here, I'm present, don't mess with me. I totally agree with you. I wanted to ask you, just so we have kind of a background relatedness, what caused you to actually go into this field? What, what happened maybe in your childhood or that you found that you had this talent? <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful experience over 20 years ago where I met uh, a body, one of the foremost body language experts in education. He teaches nonverbal classroom management of all things. And I met him over 20 years ago. And have you ever had that moment, as you guys were talking earlier about passion, where you just were watching something, someone, and you just went, oh my gosh, I'm home. I, I just, this is it. That's what happened 20 plus years ago. So I, at the time I owned a marketing and graphic design company, I went up to him and I did a deal with him. I said, you know, what can we do? How can I help you do marketing if you'll teach me some things? And I just said some things. I'm thinking, oh, just a handful of things. Lo and behold, we found out together I had a real knack for it. And that just started me on a whole new per- trajectory for uh, working with him, co-editing, first editing his books and then co-authoring his books. And here we are 20 plus years later that we get together for meals and we'll say something like, instead of being mentor-mentee, you're just two people sharing great ideas about things that you've learned about nonverbal communication and body language and just communication in general. So, yeah, I'm really passionate about it. And when you find that thing... That I like I said, it's that feeling that you know your home. And for me, I, other people describe it differently. That's when it just becomes your passion. It just becomes juicy. You can't get enough of it. So that's what happened for me. Did you want to acknowledge your mentor on the air? Oh, his name is Michael Grinder. Yes, he's a, one of Grinder. the foremost authorities on, as I said, nonverbal classroom management, which I find fascinating. That allows teachers and administrators to not only use their words, but also use positive nonverbal communication, like an upward palm gesture, always talks about sharing. And if you have an upward palm gesture when you ask a question, 
everybody, not just young people, but everybody is more open to responding in a positive way. So it's even simple things like that that can change the trajectory of the communication. Well, since Dustin was talking about being on stage, I've seen powerful speakers use their body language to uh, use NLP or to uh, connect with the audience at a higher level, uh, like getting on their tiptoes when they're making a point or raising their hand when they want the audience to, uh, to participate and agree. What are some other things that uh, you recommend? I recommend if the stage is large enough, and sometimes you have to do it just on either side of a flip chart if you're on a tiny stage, is choose locations and have a place where it's neutral. You talk about just general parts of your speech. It isn't dramatic. It isn't changing. And then have a bad news location. If you ever have to deliver bad news, maybe you have to deliver that sales were down 10% and everybody's losing their commissions. Definitely do that in a different part of the stage. And then have a positive place as well. So unconsciously, people will go prepare themselves for the difficult news every time, let's say, you move to the left. They're like, uh-oh, <laughs> Sharon's in. They don't know it consciously, but unconsciously, they've been trained to know that every time Sharon's in that left part of the stage, there's going to be some bad news. And then you walk to the other part of the stage, and you pop up as a whole new person. Now, I know that sounds funny, but it creates amnesia to the bad news. They heard the bad news. They probably took notes about the bad news. But you don't want to drag that bad news, like toilet paper on your shoe, across the stage. So that's why you come across the stage and pop up as a whole new person. Happy to be there. You're saying good news now. Let's move on. And it creates amnesia, and that bad news doesn't stick to you. That's one of my favorite techniques. It always gets people out of sticky situations. Because we get nervous if we have to deliver bad news. You know, it Mm -hmm. it changes our whole body language. So you're able to anchor it and move past it so you stay in composure. Absolutely. It's called anchoring. Yes, bravo. Great NLP word there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I I know you're going to be giving some very valuable complimentary ebook, The Seven Things Nobody Is Telling You, that can cost you client sales and even your career. So I actually would like to glaze over them. For those that do not get the book, they'll have some of the information. And also, if they listen to the show later and it's not available, then we can make sure that they at least get that information. So you want to go over those seven briefly? Oh, my gosh. Hopefully I can remember all seven of them. Uh, this won't be in order. <laughs> well, hey, just, just remember, Dustin said no one's going to know whether you, that you pick them or not. So just make sure that it adds up to seven. I'm, I'm going to say this isn't an order. I know this is them, but it's not an order. The first one I always talk about is how are you breathing? I know people got breathing. How boring. But that is the number one thing people judge you on the minute you walk into a room. I know people say eye contact, the way you're dressed, all of that. No, it's how are you breathing? If you're breathing low and slow, complete and comfortable, you can get away with so many things. That's what makes a good poker bluff is someone who's breathing low and slow and comfortable. The first thing that happens when we get nervous, I'm going to sort of try and fake it here. You breathe high and rapid like this, and your voice becomes very staccato. That's a big sign that something's going on. That's a tell for lying, too, by the way. Now I have to make, take a breath and resettle myself so my voice becomes my normal voice again. So breathing, number one. Number two is eye contact. Oftentimes we're told to look the person in the eye, look the person in the eye. How many times have you been told that in sales speeches? Really, you can do too much eye contact. It can begin to feel creepy. And there is a gender difference here. If there are two men speaking and you're doing that staring eye contact, you can actually create an elevated anger response in people. So if you're going, why is he getting, seeming to get upset? Check your eye contact. Maybe it's too intense. It's like oftentimes you've seen two dogs that stare at each other. They'll start growling at each other. That's what happens. Then if it's a male-female and it's too intense eye contact, you know, it just becomes kind of uncomfortable. It's just a little too intense. Two women, they can usually handle intense eye contact, but I always suggest just it's okay to look away. And a really easy way to look away with eye contact 
is to either look down or look up, maybe a finger to the chin going, huh, interesting, tell me more. And you can break eye contact that way. The next one is to be, not to be the, what I'll say, the assistant. Too often we want to be very community-minded and helpful, but don't get yourself stuck in that role of being seen, always seen as the assistant. You don't want to be in a leadership role or even in a team role where everyone assumes that Sharon's going to bring coffee and donuts because you'll never get promoted when you're seen in that role. Another really popular one that people don't think about is how are they fidgeting? And we can do this just by, like, tapping our foot to the floor sometimes when we get nervous. But that, or picking at our fingernails, twirling our hair is an obvious one. But what happens is we can really begin, then people get, feel the energy in the room. They begin to feel the energy dissipate. And um, people are going, what is going on with that? You know, um, it's just very common that people get upset by that one. Um, let me think here. I'm trying to think out loud. <laughs> Any, <laughs> well, those are wonderful. I mean, I guess the question I would ask is, if you know that those are the tells that make people feel that you're either uncomfortable or excitable or lying, it, it would a smart person, when they have a really bad hand, they would do the opposite so that the read would be actually the opposite so you'd win, right? A smart person would, but one of the things Dustin did so beautifully in his message was he said practice. He practiced right. especially in front of a video camera, and if you know you have to give a speech or if you just know yourself, like, I always get nervous when I go into this situation or that situation. Practice. Practice with your friends. Practice in front of a video camera. Quick tip about video cameras is first watch it as if it was you. I'll go ahead, be critical, like, oh, what was I thinking wearing that outfit or, oh, my goodness, a bad hair day. But the second time you watch it, view it as if you were coaching in third person. So you would say, so I'm watching myself, and I would say, well, I, Sharon, that's an interesting move. What was the purpose of that move? If I was to coach you, I would have suggested this. And that fakes out our unconscious mind. It goes, oh, well, that's a good suggestion. I'll do that next time. It doesn't distinguish that it's you telling you to do it, which I find just fascinating. <laughs> Well, we've, we've definitely given some great information for the seven things nobody's telling you that can cost you clients fail and even your career. How do people get it? Go to Sharon Saylor, S-A-Y-L-E-R dot com. And right there you'll see forward slash Sharon Saylor dot com forward slash gift. And right there will pop up. You can be able to download it right there. That's pretty cool. And that is also how people connect with you, right? Absolutely. On my website, there's a contact sheet. That's the quickest way. I travel a lot, so that email's always the quickest way. Okay. And Andre, do you have a question? Oh, sure. Uh, Sharon, you know, one of the things I uh, wanted to ask you about, so I had the opportunity to train as a forensic profiler. So tell me a little bit more about um, some of the other expertise that you have for uh, maybe, I'd actually like to hear about the opposite. So like when you know or when someone's telling the truth or you're telling someone the truth and they don't believe you, like how, what, you know, what are some things that you can help people to help them feel confident about what it is that you're sharing with them or that they have confidence? Because a lot of times, you know, we have baggage from other things in the past and so that we can um, propel that trust forward and, and let them know that everything's okay. I'd, I'd like to know about that more. Oh, wow. Good question. I would say if you've gotten the, if somebody's gotten the wrong first impression of you, it takes a little bit of work to undo that first impression, but it can be done. People always say it can't, but it can be done. The first one is go back to your breathing. Check your breathing. It's super easy to reset your breathing. Just take a nice, deep breath. Secondly, take up a bit more space. Amy Cuddy talked in her TED Talk about power poses, Wonder Woman, Superman poses too aggressive, 
but you still can stand up tall, throw back your shoulders, and take up a little bit more space. That sends a message of confidence as well. And if there's, you've gotten off of the wrong foot of this person, stop talking about yourself. Ask open-ended questions. And even if you say, well, oh gosh, Sharon, I just rattled on and on and on, go back to what they first said. Or maybe if you can't even remember that because you were so nervous, maybe they're wearing something unique or they told you what they did for a living and you say, wow, I never knew that anybody did that for a living. Tell me more about that. And once you get someone talking about themselves, it's amazing how all of a sudden their impression of you changes because they're the ones in the spotlight. That's excellent. So we're going to turn this into the rapid-fire questions, which is not just the practice of how quick you can ask a question, but how quick you can answer it. So, uh, Dustin, you're going to be brought back in on this, and you'll be the first one to answer, and then Sharon, you'll follow up, and Andre and I will alternate. So I always like to ask about a book that changed your life. So, Dustin, go first. Uh, the book I would say is Start With a Why by Simon Fisnick. Fantastic book. It tells you your why, Agreed. your purpose. Sharon? The Four Agreements by uh, Ruiz, definitely. A beautiful book. Beautiful book. Andrea? Yes, I'd like to know what your favorite superhero power would be if you could choose one. Be invisible. (laughs) I think making people happy, that would be mine. I'm not sure how that would manifest, but that would be cool. Yeah, and you guys would be a dynamic duo if that's what those two. <laughs> and, uh, you could be invisibly happy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I just I think about how you guys could be a duo and that he would set it up for you and you would have it happen. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. All right, so what's a quote you, uh, not a quote, uh, yeah, what is a quote you live by? I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't hear the, the question. Uh, what is a quote that you live by? Uh, get busy, li- uh, get busy living, or get busy dying. All right, sir. Oh, it's actually just something I live by. That it's not the experience; it's the meaning of what you give the experience is what determines your destiny. All right, and Andrea, really quick question: We have just a little bit of time left. Okay, so short answer: Your favorite indulgence. I'm sorry, favorite indulgence. I think you said indulgence. Um, food. <laughs> Chai tea. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a very illuminating uh, show, and I'm so excited that both of you have spent time giving us really some hacks to life on how to be a better leader, speaker, and, of course, be able to connect better with people. So, again, very quickly, Dustin, share how people can connect with you. All right, Sharon, yours is www.sharonsailor.com, S-A-Y-L-E-R. And uh, Dustin, if you can hear me, go ahead and say your website real quick. Okay, the website, yeah, I didn't hear you. Uh, DustinMarks.com. Very good. All right, you both have been amplified. Andrea, thank you very much for setting up a beautiful show with two extraordinary people. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.